Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. College football went nuts last weekend. Virginia Tech won the bye week. Robbie, give us a cheers. Bye week was tough. It gave us, <laughs> it was uh, it was a formidable opponent, I think, and we stood up well against it, only moving up a, a spot or two, depending on which poll you uh, looked at, but I'll take it. It's better than having to play. So one of my cheers is going to be to a perfectly timed bye week with uh, destruction in uh, really amongst all FBS teams. And we can get into that in a second because I thought it was actually worth a news and note how terribly it went for top 25 teams. And then my other cheers would go to Gerard Evans, who who knows what comes of it, who knows what will uh, end up you know, being his future. But Green Bay has him, at least on the practice squad. So I know a lot of us were questioning where he was, what he was doing. It looks like somebody's given him another shot and cheers to him. And I hope he does well. Once a Hokie, always a Hokie. So I hope he has some success there and can find himself, you know, a slot somewhere on that team. Cheers. Aaron Rodgers' pain is Gerard Evans' gain, I suppose. They needed an extra QB. Um, yeah, good for Gerard. I'm happy that happened. Let's talk about the the week last week, though. Seven top 25 teams went down, including both Washington schools that were in the top 10. Clemson lost, obviously, to Syracuse. Texas Auburn. Tech lost also to WVU. And then Auburn lost to LSU. I think that pretty so, much rounds it out, but it was obviously the big losses were Washington and Clemson. Yeah. And two of last year's playoff teams who were kind of favored to get back there again. I mean, Washington was definitely the favorites in the Pac-12 and Washington State was starting to, you know, come up a little bit, but uh I don't think the loss to Clemson just like Washington is as damning just because it's a conference game on the road. And at this point Syracuse could very well make a bowl. So losing to a bowl team in your conference on the road is not by any means dis, you know disqualify you from the playoff. Look what Ohio State lost in their own house to a 6 and 6 Virginia Tech and made the playoff. I don't remember what you're talking about. No, I think the most <laughs> damning of the losses was of the top teams and was Washington State. That Cal mm-hmm. Cal is not a good team and they got dismantled i think i went through the stats and it was five fumbles one of those fumbles got taken to the house then they had or maybe it was interceptions it's, it might have been five interceptions one of those got taken to the house and then like two more fumbles and then a missed field goal it was an absolute atrocious performance mike leach got after asked afterwards what he thought could have been a positive take out of the game he said nothing absolutely nothing so that's going to be the most damning I think on a team this year was that Cal loss I want to go over some of the potential playoff teams at the end of the podcast after we do our UNC preview and our picks but first let's get into some of the other news and notes Virginia Tech you mentioned it moved up to number 14 in the AP poll we're now 19th in the S&P plus which has all of its biases taken out now and we are 18th in Sagarin so not as favorable in the computers as compared to what the humans think of us. 
Uh, and that's largely because of our strength of schedule, which according to Sagarin is still coming in right around 84. The Duke game time was announced 7.20 on Halloween weekend, another night game. Kind of surprised by this. I don't even think it's on uh, ESPN, like any channel. It's just at night on ACC Network. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> the, the time's bad. The weekend that it's on is bad. I'm not. I'm not excited about it. I'm not going to get into jinxing or anything along those lines. But nothing... Nothing foretold usually starts with an announcement of a 7:20 game that's on the ACC network in on Halloween weekend. Being at night at home, I think, is an advantage. But <laughs> weird things can happen. Halloween weekend, Duke's beaten us here a couple of times. So, um, in know, fact, yeah, they're two and two. I think against us is the record. We're obviously hitting a lot better on on their field, but it's. It hasn't been great, I guess I'd put it as uh, against uh, UNC. And part of that has been, you know, the coaching staff. Part of it is I think we're a little bit in our own heads against uh, this matchup. And I think this might be the year to just kind of exercise the demons like we have been under Fuente. So I had two recruiting notes in addition to that. One, five-star defensive end KJ Henry is visiting this weekend for the UNC game. This is a monster visit. We don't often have five stars on campus taking in a game. He's from North Carolina, although UNC is not one of the finalists for him. I think it's pretty much just between Clemson and us. I mean, teams sneak up throughout the season all the time. I mean, FSU comes out of nowhere and takes guys uh, plenty of the time. But this is a big visit for us, getting K.J. Henry at a position that's always of need but it's of need for tech right now in particular uh, would be huge. So hopefully the weather's good and hopefully we beat down UNC because I want him to be impressed with what he sees. Yeah. Huge recruit to come on campus. The likes of which we've seen a few times in the past. So once again, I'm going to be very tamed in my expectations for, for him, but there is no doubt that that would be, a monster get for Virginia Tech and something especially coming out of state even beyond uh, how how important it would be for the program. It would be even more monster for what we've been doing in North Carolina. Absolutely. And the last one I had was Landers Nolly, a four-star small forward committed to basketball. And he originally committed to Georgia, and we were in his final two, then 24 hours later, he said, no, I'm not committed to Georgia, and then committed to VT a couple days later. So I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's a weird situation, but we got him. He's 55th nationally on Rivals, 57th on Scout, and 96th in the 24-7 composite. So a really, really good basketball recruit, 6'7", about 215. This is a nice pickup for uh, next year's recruiting class for sure. Yeah, consensus four-star, I think, across the board and came to the Clemson game. I don't know if that does anything for basketball recruits or you know, vice versa, whether that actually matters, but he came and obviously he enjoyed his time on campus. And honestly, I think Buzz is continuing to just really impress kids. I, I think I read earlier today how many of his games that Buzz went and visited, how much he was kind of with him, calling him all of the time. And obviously 
you know, really showing the importance of what he could do for our program ended up sealing the deal, at least from a, you know, a commitment standpoint. All right. So let's get into North Carolina. We'll do a little bit, uh, maybe just go through a little bit of background on offense before we do a beer break. And I think everyone out there who follows college football knows that they're not having, uh, a season they're accustomed to. And since Fedora has been there, they've had several good seasons, some more mediocre than others, but they went to the ACC title game a couple years ago. Last year, they had a ton of NFL guys on their team. And this year they're one in six, Oh, and four in the ACC. It's Fedora's sixth season, and this could very well end up being their worst season since 2007. They haven't won less than six games since 07, and it's certainly starting to look that way. I was going to, I mean, you lose Trubisky, you lose Elijah Hood. Those are going to be big detriments to your program. The injuries, yes, as, as well, who was in was on their team for, like we've said, a long, long time and seemed like was always... Nine, ten years. <laughs> yeah, was always gashing Virginia Tech. Uh, the injuries, I think, have compounded that. And a lot of the injuries, I was going through the names and comparing it to the stats, and some of those are related to each other. Um, I think the injuries have been outrageous for them. And I don't know whether that's... Smaller guys, younger guys, athletic conditioning, but you had four scholarship wide receivers, I think, that have gone out for them. Uh, two tight ends. It, you had a tailback, a couple cornerbacks. It, it's been a really, really abysmal season for them in terms of having a lot of injury problems. And I'm not so sure that this team would have been great this year, even if the injuries didn't occur. I can tell you that... Um, Austin would have been one of their best wide receivers. So that's a huge loss that happened. But yeah. generally... Austin Prohl was yeah. having a really good season. Uh, even though they were struggling, he had 16 catches in four games. Um, and one of those games was, was cut short because of the energy injury. And uh, now their wide receiving core is in bad shape. Yeah. So I, I that's not a great place to be in. But I, I'm not so sure that they would have been... Yeah, the season would have gone that much differently for them. I think they're in a rebuilding season, quite frankly, when you look across their defense and and their offense. They only had four starters coming back on offense to begin with, and since the season started, they've lost three out of four of those starters. So I think they have their one remaining starter from last year's offense is is one offensive lineman. Uh, 16 guys in total have gone down for the year uh, with injuries and a couple more are out or questionable for this week's game. So you hit it, man. I mean, they are, we've talked about ODU having injury problems and ECU, whoever, but this is the worst of all of them. I mean, they have been rocked and it was already a team that was lacking a lot of experience. They weren't going to be good on offense anyway, unless Brandon Harris came in from LSU and lit it up and that didn't happen. And defensively, we knew they were going to struggle because they lost Gene Chizik, and they lost their starting middle linebacker early on, maybe even before the season started. And now Donnie Mills is out for our game. They're like stud safety. So, man, it's it's rough. It's rough this year down in Chapel Hill. I think, you know, I, I was hoping to run through the offense. I think the two QB system 
with Brandon Harris, who was the transfer out of LSU versus Chaz Michael Michael Surratt. Um, and <laughs> yes, I'm going to move use movie references throughout this, I think. He has been so much better than Brandon Harris, yet during the UVA game, they put Brandon Harris back in. And he was in for almost the whole game, which was... Well, extreme. yeah, I think that was because Surratt was like sick or something. I, I don't Correct, really but know it, they exactly. said that it was because Brandon Harris had a better week at practice. The fact That's is, right. is that it's... It's becoming confusing, and Surratt's numbers are on so much of a better level, it is unbelievable. So I, I'm very interested to see, because I don't think they've announced the starter against us. Not that I know of. Yeah, I think it's going to have to be Surratt, and he's got 1,200 yards. He's almost at 60% completion, six TDs, and three interceptions. Brandon Harris has one TD and six interceptions. That, yeah. That you're just throwing to the other team, and I think that's not going to go very well against a Virginia Tech defensive secondary. That's kind of dangerous. So that yeah, that has if been. You look at dangerous. if you look at their ratings, uh, it's not even close. Like you said, Harris is at 82 in QB rating. He would be essentially last in the nation in QBR if he was qualified. He doesn't have enough attempts. And Surratt, it's at 74th nationally in QBR and 76th in rating. That's not great, but it's significantly better than where Harris is. And, I, you know, Harris, I thought maybe there was an outside shot under Fedora. He could resurrect his career. And he's just not a good quarterback. Like, we want Harris to start this game, if there's any question. I don't think there is. I think the only reason Harris started last week is because Surratt was struggling with some kind of sickness. I don't know if he had the flu or what, but he he uh he didn't play and they actually came somewhat close to to winning that UVA game despite him not even playing well. Both of these guys can run a little. Uh, Surratt has four touchdowns on the ground. He's only averaging 2.6 yards per attempt, but keep in mind sacks are taken out of that, so he can definitely run. Uh, he's obviously just very inexperienced. While Austin Pro was still with the team, they were doing better. Uh, they're struggling to score right now. And against Georgia Tech, it was seven. I think it was 10 against Notre Dame. And UVA, they put up 14. So Yeah. I think Michael Carter, there's been a back and forth as well. And I, I think the consistency in all of these themes is there's been a back and forth between who they're starting, who they're playing, et cetera, or on the wide receiving core injuries. Michael Carter looks like after the UVA game kind of made his resurgence. He's a young guy, and it was the debate of who was going to be the real kind of tailback there. Of the 14 points they put up, he put up 14 points, which I think is 100%. So uh, uh, in that UVA game, I'm pretty sure he, he did it. And he had a good performance, actually. And he looks like he could be... Um, I don't know the kind of the young, you know, refresher to this offense. If they're going to have any spark, I think in the team, it's going to have to come on his shoulders and he's got seven TDs, 388 yards. It's not, it's not mind blowing numbers, but I think for this team, it is. Well, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's it. I also think um, it's interesting with uh, Anthony Ratcliffe Williams he actually has played pretty well with a couple TDs and done really well on kick returns as well. So that's somebody else that um, has played pretty well for them. 
Yeah, Michael Carter, the running back, true freshman. And before the season, they were talking like he's kind of like Gio Bernard. And he's proven to be pretty damn good. The other running back was Jordan Brown, 4.4 yards per carry, just three TDs. But he has the most receptions on the team. Part of that is because their wideouts keep getting hurt. But he has 20 receptions, uh, which is a lot for a running back. So look for some passes out of the backfield to uh, Jordan Brown. Him and Carter, they're like the exact same size. They're both like 5'9", 5'10", 195, 200, something like that. Ratliff Williams, you mentioned, and then Jordan Cunningham is the only one I thought was worth a mention. Uh, he's a wide out, 18 receptions, 230 yards, and no touchdowns. So no one's putting up massive numbers, and guys keep going out, so that's cutting into other guys' numbers. But these two wideouts are good. The two running backs are good. Uh, and then they've got a tight end with 14 receptions and two touchdowns and Brandon Fritz. It, it's, it's not going to be... Um... We don't want to overlook this game, period. I always kind of res- <laughs> go back to that is when you put in a bunch of secondary players or you know just put in guys that shouldn't win, they're going to play with a lot of heart and they're going to try and give you a run for it. So let's just be mindful of not getting run over the similar way to Clemson this past weekend. And I think that any reason for caution real caution will be on the defensive side of the ball. And we'll get into that in a second. Let's take a beer break before we do that. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I am having the Pounding Trees Double IPA, Three Stars Brewing Company. Yes, it's out of you know Washington, D.C. It's a local beer. It's been a rough week at work, folks. So uh, going with what I kind of like, and this was a brand new beer that I hadn't seen from Three Stars. It's got a nice label got hops it looks uh like a cool can to drink and i went with it it's probably a little too strong on the hop side for most people that i would know and i'm just kind of going with it tonight so it's not one of the best i've had it's kind of mediocre but it's a good three stars beer that label is covered in cartoon hops (laughs) yeah uh nugs as some people call them (laughs) (laughs) yeah nugs right uh I am drinking Fieldwork Brewing New Sensation, also a double IPA. And Fieldwork is out of Berkeley, California. Go Bears. It's a combination with Central Coast Brewing, and they called it a brewmance on the can. I've never had Fieldwork stuff before. Uh, West Coast, obviously, 8.2% double. And it's awesome. The smell is really good. It's got that, that perfect double IPA smell like that little bit of sweetness in there um Rob you can see this it's a little bit a little bit cloudy, oh yeah got that cloudy it's uh it's tasty very very good the fieldwork brewing new sensation double IPA yeah we've never had anything from fieldwork on here so that's a nice new unique one I like that all right let's talk about the UNC defense historically this has not been the stronger side of the football for UNC but they were doing better under Gene Chizik the last couple years, though they still were giving up 227 yards per game rushing last year, which was worst in the ACC. Nevertheless, they were still doing better than the years prior to Chizik getting there. This year, they're 95th in yards per play on defense, but they've been even worse against the run, 104th, giving up 4.91 yards per attempt, so almost five yards per attempt to Every team they've played, 
I just don't know if this defense is bad because the offense is so bad, so it puts them on the field a lot, or if it's an actually bad uh, defensive unit of players. I mean, their S&P on offense and defense, I think, is actually tied at 82 each. So I saw that earlier today in terms That's of so rankings. Weird. Yeah, I mean, they're perfectly bad on each side of the ball, which is... Well, they, well you say that 82 in the S&P offense and defense, they're 95th in yards per play mm-hmm. offense and defense. Right. The exact same. It's almost <laughs> it's, like it's actually... I had to look at the numbers twice because I thought it was just a copy and paste error by somebody. It wasn't. <laughs> I'm not so sure whether... I think it's a mix of both to your point. I think it's the offense is terrible and they're wearing out, you know, the defense because they're putting people back on the field too soon and they don't have enough depth because of all the injuries and things like that. But I also don't think that they have the talent or the depth or the experience to put together a defense, even if the offense was good. And said a different way, if the offense was ranked up in the 40s, I still think this defense would not be very good. And I, you're right. I don't think they'd be very good. I just think that they're getting sold out, too, because there is some talent back there. It is thin, like you said, but there's some talent on the defensive line in particular. Mm-hmm. Malik Carney, he's got eight tackles for a loss, one of their defensive ends. Jalen Dalton, a guy we recruited heavily, is having a pretty good year. Five and a half tackles for loss at defensive tackle. There's Fox, Crawford. They both have three tackles for loss each. Uh, Drennan, we've heard his name before. He has six hurries on the year. They're better at pass rushing than run stuffing. Like I said, their rush defense, it, it's it's not good right now. It, they're actually giving up 229 yards per game this year, which is actually two more than last year when they were last in the ACC. So, no, they're not a good run stuffing line. But they do get after the passer. They're actually they ahead of us in sacks per game and just a little bit worse in tackles for loss per game. So they'll get after the quarterback. It's just that if if you get past that pass rush, there's room to run. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. The names that you, you said were the ones that were on my radar. The real question I have for this this defense is – Look who they've been going up against, and some of the teams that they've been challenged we've seen are a, a little bit different style than what Virginia Tech's going to put out on the field, I think. So I'm just not sure that with the offense that we're going to put out there, the strengths of this defense are really going to be that effective. And you you said that you know their defensive line's pretty pretty strong. Malik Carney with the eight tackles for a loss, that's impressive. But overall, not... There's not anybody that you would put on like a first team ACC team. Does that make sense? Or like first or second team, you'd get like kind of get the close, but I don't really find anybody on this team. You're like, yeah, Tillman Fox has two two sacks against UVA, and that's the bright spot for the entire season in, in some respects. So I think the defense is more talented than the offense, but I don't find anything scary that we haven't faced already, especially having gone up against Clemson and what that defensive line showed and what those linebackers showed against us. I think that gives me a little bit more confidence not to be worried in this game, not to disrespect these players, but having seen that defense, it doesn't. this doesn't worry me as much. 
I think there's probably three guys that could make second team all ACC. Carney could make it. Cole Hokum, the linebacker, he was their leading tackler last year. He's the leading tackler this year. Almost 10 tackles per game. Um, and MJ Stewart, the corner. He's eight pass breakups, and he's been kind of a shutdown corner now for a couple years. Otherwise, yeah, they're they're trying to find guys. Kaysen Collins has been a nice surprise. I hadn't heard his name before. He's the second leading tackler on the team. 40 solo tackles. That is a lot of open field tackles. Four and a half tackles for loss. So of all the groups, I'd say that linebacker is probably their best. Defensive line's their deepest. And DB is arguably their most talented, but it's just very, very thin. Oh, that's fair. Cole and Kaysen had absolutely, I mean, one, they're, they are leading the team in those respective categories. I just don't know if for a team like them, if you want, unlike, unlike us, we love having really strong linebackers. I'm not so sure that's going to help them so much. I think the front end and the back end for them is probably going to be more beneficial than the middle. Yeah, and besides those two guys, they don't really have anybody. So (laughs) that's the thing. It's like, yes, those two guys are pretty good at linebacker, but they're being forced to make every single tackle because everyone's getting through that line rushing. I do think that under regular circumstances for this UNC offense under Fedora, which has been a a good above-average offense in the ACC to even a a top-notch offense in the ACC – this defense could be much, much better, but they have to be on the field so much. They're not deep. They can't keep their energy throughout the game because they're having to be out there so much that they're just struggling big time. Overall, I don't think I don't think it's going to go well for UNC. I know some people are picking this as like a like a sneaky spot and that they're going to play hard and they're going to keep it close. I I don't think so. I mean, maybe for the first half. Uh, and not to get into our predictions because maybe we'll round it off that way. But yeah, there's eight people on their defense that I think are pretty talented players. But that's eight people. You don't need eight anymore. You need 16. You need, need 20 talented players. That's the way football works these days is you need to give people a breather. If you can only come up with eight, that's a problem. So uh, I think... Yeah, we can transition this to the actual talk about the game. I think that their defense has a lot of bright spots, but it's not very deep and it's not necessarily at the positions that I think I think we'll be able to attack at positions that they're weak. In terms of my keys to the game, it depends on who we have first. If Cam is back, if Peoples is back, Clark is back, I heard Savoy's back with the team. And then TJ Carroll, I heard he's back with the team too. If all those guys are going to play in this game, we had nothing to worry about. And I mean that like that, that I don't care who's playing for UNC or what, but if those guys are back for us, this game is going to go just fine. Cam in particular, just because MJ Stewart, if you can at the very least get Cam out there for him to have to cover even if Cam's not 100%, you have to put Stewart on him. Then it opens it up for Savoy and the other guys throughout the rest of the field because there are other DBs just with Donnie Miles not going to play. They're just not up to snuff. So, To your point, if we can get those guys back 
and in the game, um, other than us kind of screwing the pooch and kind of missing out on what should be an opportunity to really develop players, this should be a shoe-in game for us. This is this is lining up perfectly for us because our defense is that good. We can actually probably bring in a few people onto defense and actually build even more depth, I think, because I don't see a lot here that frightens me. And who knows? Maybe they come out and they start throwing the ball deep and they get lucky a few times, and we've seen that happen before. On the defensive side of the ball, it's going to come down to our running game as well because I think we're going to want to manage the ball and we haven't talked to we talked about Peoples a little bit, but I want to see Peoples back on the field. I want to see him healthy because I think he adds a nice dynamic to our our run game. He's a little bit more powerful than anybody else. He's a little bit more in your face, up the gut, up the middle, and he drives for extra yards. Uh, everybody else, McMillan, Police, whatever the case may be, is a little bit more shifty. So I think in terms of you know using space on the outside, I want to see people come in and see what he can do driving up the middle. Yeah, the running backs need to have a good game. I already said they struggle to stop the run, so if you're going to run for 80 yards in this game, that would be kind of an embarrassment. Josh needs to get rid of the ball, but he also needs to run without hesitation. So we saw him you know, behind the pocket in Clemson and B.C., hesitate, gets gets sacked more than we'd like, and also when he's making his reads, like cut the wrong way, whatever, he needs to have a good game. And he said that he's been working on stepping up in the pocket, and I think he will definitely get rid of the ball in situations where he might go down with a sack this game. But I also want to see him run better in this game. Yeah, that's fair. And I think the most interesting dynamic that we get to watch, which is fun for me over the next year, year and a half, is to see him stop dropping back and throwing off his back foot and seeing him drop back, take a three-step, and then stepping forward into his passes is going to be one of the coolest transitions that we've seen because he's a freshman. And he's literally developing that skill that you want to see in a cornerback. And if it happens, you know that's going to be an amazing thing because he's still throwing off his, his back heel when he starts to get pressure or he's escaping out of the pocket and then he's still throwing off his heel. So that's not an indictment of him whatsoever. It's just one of those things that it'll be exciting to see because I think he has the talent to make that transition. I also think if we were to get going quick in this game, which I know hasn't been our strong suit, but if we get going fast in the first quarter, early second quarter, this UNC team might just quit on you. Like they, they, or I should say on Fedora, because they've been not having a good season. They're one in six. If they lose this game, they're ineligible for a bowl. I don't think any of them think they're going to a bowl, but this would actually make it official. If you get up on them early, 14, 17 points, like this thing is over and that team will not compete the rest of the game. So that's something I would really hope Fuente takes a couple shots early in this game put the nail in their coffin on this season and just just really drive it in because we could crush this team like we this could be an ECU type situation but you can't start like you did against ECU couldn't agree more so Virginia Tech 21 point favorites in this one who do you got in this game you always put the big line on me every time uh 
21 is a lot. It's at home. We're coming off of a game. I know it's a bye week, but before that, this is going to be brutal. I think I'm, I wrote down UNC to cover. I think we'll win by two touchdowns. UNC has a lot to work for just to actually hold it together and not dishevel the program. Yeah. So I think we'll win by about two touchdowns. I don't know if I can go or 17 or whatever the case may be. I don't know if we're going to get all the way to 21. Having a team backed into a corner, you're always nervous about taking a big spread. And this is a big spread for a divisional matchup, even if we are at home. But I think UNC's already played their like their tough game. Against UVA, they probably should have lost by more, but they didn't. They played hard and they they seem to be playing as hard as they can. And eventually, like, a team just quits. And I think that's going to happen this week. I think on the road, in Lane Stadium, us coming off of a bye, I think we're going to cover those 21 points. And last year, coming off of a bye, we played UNC in their house, and we won by 31. So that's just something to think about. I'll just say I dropped my ticket prices on StubHub four times, and I still haven't gotten purchased. So I would not expect the crowd to be all that uh, amped up. Interesting. Some yeah. Insider four, information Four there. times I've dropped my prices on StubHub, and I started at like a reasonable price for my seats that I have. Nothing. So hmm. let's, just, hmm. let's just say that uh, Lane Stadium might be a little quieter than I would suspect otherwise because I'm – at or below the lowest prices in my seating section and still not getting bought. So I don't know if the fan base is going to be that amped up for this UNC game. Weird, because it's a 3.30 start and it's homecoming, right? Yeah, I know. That's... Believe me, I've <laughs> I've tried to... I priced it. StubHub gives you like where things are getting sold, what price they're getting yeah. sold at, and I usually shoot towards the lower end of it, and I've had to lower four times since then. People must be just waiting to pounce later in the week. I don't know, man. That's that's a little concerning, but I still think the crowd will be into it and loud. Um, but anyway, I'm taking VT. You're taking UNC. We'll see what happens. Let's do the rest of our ACC games here. We got Louisville at FSU. FSU is seven-point favorites. FSU narrowly escaped against Duke, and Louisville, they lost to BC at home. <laughs> one of the most perplexing losses of the year. It kind of got it kind of got lost in the week of yeah. upsets. You last picked week, this game because I'm not picking it first because I looked at this for about ten It's a hard one. Ten man. minutes tonight and could not figure out what I was gonna do. And I'm probably gonna well, read I'm off gonna, you since you're you've been six for seven, seven for eight, and then six for seven in your last uh three rounds of picks. I'm I'm locked in right now. <laughs> but this was still an extremely hard pick. I'm going to take FSU, which is something that you've been doing all year, but Louisville's defense is just so bad, and FSU's struggling on the offensive side of the ball that this is a perfect matchup for them because I think they can shut down Lamar Jackson, and I think Blackman in the offensive line will finally get a little bit of a respite and can throw up some points. So I actually like FSU. Um Minus seven. So who do you got? I write all my picks down beforehand. So as much as we make it think like it's just like on the fly, I already wrote down FSU. 
there's no real good reason other than I've been on the hype train for Louisville has the worst defense that I've ever seen in my entire life. Quite frankly, it's like an anti-hype train. <laughs> no, it's I know I'm. It's so bad, and then BC just completely made it so obvious to everybody, and now people are suddenly understanding. Because I said it in the second game of the year, I can't remember what who they were playing. What did they score? Forty-five on that Louisville defense. All right, next game: Pitt at Duke. Duke is eight-point favorites at home. I'll go first. I'll take Pitt. And I took them last week against NC State. That didn't go well for me. I thought for whatever reason they'd kind of have their, you know, game where they just like come out and play really well. I'm going to take them again just because Duke has had a, a tough like slate of games recently. They've been squeaking out their wins and not playing great um, in their losses. Although Daniel Jones did have a little bit of a bounce back and and Pitt's a perfect team for him to have even more of a bounce back against because their pass defense is terrible. But I'm still going to take Pitt just because it's eight points and not six and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a good pick. I'm going to go with uh, Duke. So <laughs> just to be opposite of you and just for the sake of... I. It, yeah, I think Daniel Jones has struggled, but the bounce back, I think, is part... You knew he was kind of a good quarterback, right? Like, he's got to have a good game once in a while, and I think he did last week, and I think he will this week, and I still do not, after last week, know what I'm getting from Pitt. No. It's, it's, uh, it's not good in Pittsburgh, but... There's just something about the fact that they kept it within three versus Syracuse, who just went out and beat Clemson, that I I just, at some point, they're going to screw someone up. Oh, that's true. That makes sense. Next game, BC at UVA. UVA is 5-1, and one, and they're <clears throat> seven-point favorites against BC. UVA. All right, fair enough. I'm going to take BC. I know they're coming off that upset, uh, but... Do you want to shoe in? Because you know, UVA is going to win that. <laughs> uh, they're going to win. I just think it could be three or four points, not seven. They they could very well beat BC by two touchdowns because their defense is actually good. Defense is really BC's good. Been, BC, BC's been covering, though. I think they've covered three weeks in a row. So I know. I'm, I'm just going to take been with sp- First of all, that was a 23-point spread last weekend. <laughs> it wasn't a yeah, seven-point spread. <laughs> But UVA only beat UNC by six. I know. I so I there's we should do a UVA, side. we're gonna do a five side, and we're one. Do a side bet on this. I I just don't think the UVA like hate train is really gonna pay off very well because I think they're gonna end up with like eight or nine wins this year. And I know that's incredible not, to say, but it's actually true. It's not a UVA hate train. It's it's more of just a BC covers the spread inexplicably train <laughs> oh no i wasn't talking about you i was talking about the general like hate train yeah. on on uva it does not really work this year i think they're going to end up at eight wins and if i'm wrong i don't know i'll drink bleach or something like that but i think eight wins is <laughs> going to be that. it eight wins or more and then everybody else that doesn't agree with me has to drink bleach i think their defense is actually really good i think their offense is 
manageable at best, but their defense is actually good. Okay, next game. Those Syracuse Orangemen against Miami. Miami is now number eight after their win last week, and they're 16 and a half point favorites against Syracuse at home. A letdown so, game. It, I mean, but the thing is, both teams had big wins. So yeah. who's being let down? <laughs> well, it's got to be Syracuse. I mean, right, 16 yeah. and a half? That's a lot. Holy a hell. Lot. I couldn't even do the math on like the, on you know, when you start like comparing teams against each other, I don't know how they got to 16 and a half. That seemed like a lot. I don't know either. I'm going to have to go. I don't want to. Maybe Syracuse. I think that is the guaranteed choice. I'm going to take Syracuse too. I, I don't. Miami, clearly they got two good wins the last two weeks, both of which were very narrow victories against what we still don't know if they are, are they not good teams in Florida State and Georgia Tech. We think they're pretty good, but neither of them have very good records. So You just set yourself I up. Take, I know. I t- I'm going to take Syracuse. Just because that's so many points, and Syracuse can throw it around. If we didn't learn anything last week, we learned that. I love the setup you just gave for yourself. It's so perfect. (laughs) Next game, Wake against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is seven-point favorites against the Demon Deacons, and it's in Atlanta. You went first last time. I'm going to take Wake, and it's it's not because I always take Wake. (laughs) I can't stop laughing. Part of it is, but... It's because of their defensive line. They've gotten a lot of tackles for loss this year. They're, I think, top 40 in terms of uh, rush defense. So I'm going to take Wake Forest against the triple option. And what was a physical game for Georgia Tech last week against Miami? The body bag? Yeah. that's Body blow. Or body blow. That's right. Um, I'll take Georgia Tech, just to be opposite of your Wake Forest pick that you love so much. So I got to go that direction. Well, I want Georgia Tech to win because of the coastal implications. I want Georgia Tech to look better, have a better record, help us out if they beat us or if we beat them. Uh, But I think Wake will keep it close. I do think Georgia Tech will win. I will say some of these picks are so outrageous, but now we're into the, we're in the meat of like, Real picks right here. Yeah. So these are our outside the ACC top 25 matchups, and we've got two for you. Michigan at Penn State. Michigan's number 19, Penn State's number two, and Penn State is nine and a half point favorites. Michigan, I love their defense on a nine and a half point spread, so I'm going to have to go with Michigan, and that pains me because I really did not want to pick them. I'm going to take Michigan, too. Penn State's giving up a lot of tackles in the backfield um, in terms of Barkley or the quarterback or whatever. They're near the bottom in terms of tackles for loss given up. Michigan is near the top in tackles for loss made. That defense is sick. No, they don't have an offense, but this is also one of those games where it's a get-over-the-hump game because Michigan has Penn State's number big time. So I just think it's going to come down to a field goal or a last-second TD that puts a team up by four. But even though it's 9.5 and and 10 points is completely reasonable for the number two team in the country to win by at home, I just think this is going to be a close one because of that Michigan defense. 
Next game and the last game, USC at Notre Dame. USC's number 11, Notre Dame's number 13. The old rivalry, Notre Dame favored by four. I'll go first. I'll take the Irish. I expected them to be favored in this game because of the way USC has won some of their games. They probably should have two more losses, and they don't. Notre Dame, their running game is strong. Their defense is pretty damn good, and their only loss is to Georgia. I like Notre Dame to cover those four points. Part of it's just because in this rivalry, when a team wins, they win by four or more almost every time. Like, I don't think there's been a game in the last 10 or 15 years that's come down to three points in this game. So if I like Notre Dame to win, I'm going to take them to cover two. So I'm taking Notre Dame. Who do you got? I had Notre Dame written down. I'm going to stick that way. I think Notre Dame has been on fire since the beginning of the season. People were talking them down. And since then, I think everybody's realized how talented they are. And USC... They've been impressive in some games, but it's very flaky kind of here and there. So if you're playing in this type of game, I'm going to take uh, the team that's been more consistent. So I'm going to go with them. Yeah, I mean, people have been realizing how good Notre Dame is even when they didn't even play because they moved up ahead of us in the AP poll and we both had buys. So good for them. Uh man. This week probably won't go like last week, but there's a lot more entertaining games, a lot of good conference games in all the Power Five, including Bama-Tennessee. I mean, that's going to be a great game. Yeah, I'm sure that will end. (laughs) Did you see the spread on that game? What's it, like 50? It's 34 and a half. That's close. It's pretty close. (laughs) Can you? That's crazy for Bama, Tennessee. I mean, and the thing is, Bama's probably going to cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this weekend's going to go. I said it. I joked around last weekend to my buddies after we bet. It's going to be chalk this weekend, I feel like. After everything that happened last weekend, I feel like this is a chalk weekend. So, could be. Uh, it's got to. Otherwise, the world's going to start spinning on a different axis. There's going to be a polar shift and maybe a zombie apocalypse. So it that how many think, upsets uh, happened? I just think this year is going to be like 07. Not com- exactly like 07 because that was just purely nuts. But I do think this is a year where we're going to be debating at the end whether a two-loss team should be in the playoff. I, I think that's going to happen this year where we might end up with just three one loss power five teams. And then if UCF or USF goes undefeated, we'll hear from their fan bases that, Hey, we're undefeated and Stanford has two losses. We should be in there. You know? So I just, this has that feeling after last weekend, I'm starting to feel like that. All right, let's take a quick beer break before we give our final thoughts. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm having the uh, cloudy whales bra which is probably uh, the most college thing I could probably say outside of college. It's cloudy whales. If it, I'll explain it a little bit. Cloudy being the New England style IPA, a whale being a beer that you can't find anywhere. It's a white whale. You know, everybody's gotcha. got that figured out. And then bra being, well, just too much. All right. So <laughs> the overall, the beer is delicious. It's from. Uh, Adroit Theory out in Percival, who I've been to before, I've mentioned on the podcast before. 
I'm a like a member out there, so they did an early release. Me and my wife and my baby went out there and picked up some beer for the early release. It's delicious. It's exactly what you expect from a New England style. Good, little bit too over the top on the New England style, but overall, it's a good beer. How about you? I'm having the Horn Swaggler. It's a chocolate milk stout made by Vale in Richmond, but it's a special edition. It's their Columbia. I'm just gonna screw this up. It's a it's a coffee version of this beer, <laughs> is what it is. It's the Horn Swaggler chocolate milk stout with some kind of local coffee brewed in there, and it's freaking awesome. I really really like it. Both of my beers this week I got in a trade for my buddy Nick down in Richmond. And uh, he goes to a lot of the can releases and stuff. And this is really good. I'm not even sure I've had the Horn Swaggler uh, by itself, the regular one. I don't think I've ever had that one. But this coffee one is excellent. So a chocolate milk stout with coffee at the end of the night. This is a perfect beer. I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm hoping that Virginia Tech can stay unscathed through these next two should-be-wins games. Because Duke and UNC, for as much trouble as they've given us in the years past, like these are the games we should win. If you're a if you're a good team, and the way Fuente has taken care of his business for the most part, you beat these two teams. And Fuente is coming off of a perfect example of Syracuse beating a team that beat us. I'm a big proponent of people having just direct evidence of what happens when you take your eye off the ball. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm just glad we're not Syracuse's signature win anymore. <laughs> we got past it. We, we won it. We won it's, it, fam. It's over. That's the only reason I was happy about them beating Clemson, because it's not good for the ACC for Clemson to catch that loss in the Carrier Dome, especially since we don't play Syracuse. Like We played Clemson. We want them to keep winning. But... At least we don't have to see the speech of Dino Babers against us in the locker room. We can watch the Dino Babers. They played Babers it again the, the other day. All right. I just had to listen to it afterwards. And it was like, Dino Babers is the greatest coach of all time. Dino Babers lost to Middle Tennessee State this year. All right. Yes, they beat Clemson. They lost to Middle Tennessee State. So let's just cool it on the freaking Dino Babers to Tennessee talk or whatever it is. Everyone's talking about how good Dino Babers is. They beat someone without their starting quarterback in the Carrier Dome. Congratulations. You lost to Middle Tennessee State. And you still don't have air conditioning. <laughs> All right. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Email us any questions or comments you might have, 2DVT at gmail.com. And subscribe on iTunes. Write us a review if you feel like it. 2DVT.com is the website. Check it out. We've got really good stats on there from Josh Jackson and Gerard Evans, who was just signed by the Packers. You can compare them uh, year over year. It's really interesting stuff. Robbie's been busting his ass on on getting that up there. You can stream every podcast, and you can check out all the beers we've had on that same website. So make sure you check it out. Until next time, when we're recapping, hopefully a win over UNC and previewing Duke, go Hokies. Go Hokies.